welcome to Lending Forward, a podcast where we're lending every bit of what we know to our listeners. From real conversations and lessons learned deep within the industry to education and forward thinking, together we're Lending Forward. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to our channels and connect with us on www.atlanticbay.com. Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group, LLC, NMLS number 72043, NMLSconsumeraccess.org is an equal opportunity lender. Located at 600 Lynn Haven Parkway, Suite 203, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23452. Hi, good morning. How are you doing? I'm fine. Aren't you just as cute as you can be? Oh, thank you. I'm honestly fangirl swooning, if you will. I'm excited to be able to get with you. Your energy and personality is everything. Oh, well, it's been all uh, F words this morning. So I have to bring a different energy now because it's been that morning. Good. Really good. Solid start for you. Oh no. The world is on fire today. I've already had to apologize for my behavior three times this morning. So I don't know if that's a good start to the time. Oh no, just another manic, what, Thursday, right? Right. You weren't even born when that song came out, you cute girl. (laughs) I have the record. (laughs) What is your music style right now? Oh, right now? I don't really have a right now style. I just have a, I live in the past because I'm an old person. So my Spotify is is a combination of Jimmy Buffett because I've gone for 30 years. That's how old I've been Mm -hmm. going. Billy Joel, who I saw two weeks ago. Alabama, Doobie Brothers, Don Williams. I love Don Williams. Chris Stapleton, he's current. I like Joy of My Life. Do you know that song? I do. He's amazing. That song is great. And then we have Willie Nelson, Matthew West. I got a lot of Christian on here. Allison Krauss, I love her. He's great. Tamara. Do you know Tamara? What is that? Is that her song? Her song is called Freedom. She's the bomb diggity. I need to look at her up. Pam Cook, Gloria Stefan, Mike Reed, the Bee Gees, the Flamingos, Alabama. It's kind of a, it's very eclectic. I like it. There's some Elton John, Kirk Franklin. I love Kirk Franklin. Night Ranger. Ooh. Oh, Disturbed. Disturbed is current. They've been remaking a lot of stuff. My what favorite Kanye that? song is Gold Digger. I love that song. I jammed that in the car. Get it? Get it? Conway Twitty. I love that song right there. King yeah. of They're like old man gospel. Dolly Parton, of course. Look. It's always interesting to hear what is on someone's like best top list, you know, because you could tell a lot about a person based off of their music genres. Do you know what I mean? It is like the Christian music is sprinkled in there to help me not say so many F words and hear I'm going to fall off every day. Sometimes you just need a little God to get you going in a better place. I need a lot of him. A lot. Well, I'm so excited to do this. And I just wanted to banter with you. I don't know if if you've listened to Lending Forward, but it's really just telling raw stories of the industry, right? Like we're all kind of in this boat together and we're all just trucking and trying and doing the best we can. Or as my favorite CE instructor, Bill Gallagher says, hauling and hoping, pitching and praying. (laughs) I love that. It's sometimes you don't really come across new quotes too often, but when you do hear it and it sticks, it means the most, but it's always, for me, it's like, whenever you pick up on one, you just, you, you'll never forget one where you heard it and two, when you need to use it. And it's always a good zinger when you do use it. It's portable. We like to say like you're doing strategic planning, it's gotta be portable concepts so you can grab it and go. That's right. That's right. I heard one yesterday. We utilize a tool called HomeBot. You're familiar with it, I would imagine. So we were looking at a graph and he had a, a big old jump in this graph and he called it a skyscraper in a cornfield. And I was like, oh, that's new. 
I love that. Totally <laughs> taken that forever. That's fantastic. I know. Is that great? I'm like, oh, this is a boring graph, but it's a skyscraper in a cornfield. It's like inflation. Inflation was a cornfield. Now we have a skyscraper, but now it's a growing skyscraper because it is running the government right now. Oh. It is wild. It is the wild, wild west. And then you layer in a formula shortage in here and all the moms, you want to, you want to see some hasty women. Look, why is the government not treating that like a national emergency? Why did they send money to Ukraine instead of ramping up formula production? I don't understand this. Me neither. These are, that's an actual starvation issue. A lot of those babies, that's, they have to have special formulas. Some of the moms can't breastfeed. I mean, this is really bad. I thought about rampant production back up and mine have been out of commission for, let's see, Timmy turned 16 in June, but women who have had kids can ramp it back up. I'm like, maybe I should make some more milk and sell it. I know. I know. It hurts every, every one of us moms. And if you're not a mom, you really don't quite get the devastation of this because not when you read the comments online that are like, well, just, you know, give them breastfeed or just give them water it down. I'm like, you don't understand that is yeah. It's wild. It's a big piece of where we're at right now. And someone said this morning, I was listening to the news and someone was like, praying for those moms. I said, and the babies. I looked at my husband last night. I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old and I'm still kind of in the thick of it. Like the blind leading the blind. We're all like man on around here. My children are going to read this in history and their children are going to read this. And it's just going to be very interesting. Yeah. They're going to say, do babies not matter anymore? Do children not matter? Do families not matter? Because When you see the treasury secretary say that when you have abortions, the economy does better. I couldn't believe that. I'm like, how in the world can you say the economy is a larger priority to any of us than families and children? Like I see these young people that want to be influencers. You want to be an influencer, be a mom. Right. That's the best influence. Maybe I should make that little TikTok. Maybe I will. I like that. Take that one. Take that and run with it. Okay, Put it in your bonnet, as my grandma would say. Let me, let me write that down. If you want to be an influencer, be a mom. Yep. I don't know, but I told my husband last night, I said, I'm glad we don't have tinies that need formula right now, but I can't not panic about it for all the moms. And I've seen so many grandmas out driving around, just hunting for it. And did you see last night, they reserved several pallets for illegal crossing parents to make sure they have some for their babies. I'm glad that they take precedence. This administration is so anti-American. It's it's insane. It's insane. We can throw in some more F-bombs into your day just talking about this right now. You want me to make you happy? I'll show you my favorite rubber ducky. Do you want to see him? Yeah. (laughs) I love him. He would not let this happen. No, no, it is interesting. Politics is so, I've always been kind of both, right? Like, because there's certain things I believe in on both sides. I think he was both, really. He was both. Because he wasn't part of either one of those corrupt group of elites, and they're all corrupt. He was just a little bit rough around the edges, but I'd rather have rough around the edges than corrupt. Well, Bill Hitchcock, I said, I'm talking to Leah at 10. Is there anything you want? He said, a new dessert recipe. I said, okay, I'll tell her. He clearly did not see your lady fingers last night. That was that what dropped last night? Oh, that was the teaser, I think. I think the full recipe drops on Friday, right? Hang on a minute. Uh It was a teaser, most likely. Oh, yeah. That's like my real banana pudding. Like, we ain't using none of that instant box shit in there. And so, (laughs) little Mr. Pound Cake, we'll have to see what he thinks. (laughs) I'll tell him. I'll tell him. Love that man. He's wonderful. Get your wife ready. He is. He is the best. He's a great boss. He's, he definitely, he's one of my biggest coaches in life. 
And that's how it should be. Yeah. For folks who don't know much about you on my podcast, and I don't know how many there would be. There can't be that many because we all know and love some Lee Brown. I mean, in Atlantic Bay, I think they all know me. But what if you have some stray person who's not Atlantic Bay? I mean, they might not. They might be thinking of joining Atlantic Bay. We don't know. I should hope that they are. And if you aren't, you should be. But for those stray cats, tell them a little bit about Lee Brown how you got to where you are and what's keeping you passionate. So this is Lee Brown, like this insanely messy office, like my couch, which has my my Concord pillow on it because I'm in Concord, North Carolina, and a box of cookbooks that I have to autograph because we're having a book signing on Sunday at one of my favorite small businesses because I love spotlighting small businesses. And you can't see all the stuff on the floor, but my family is right here. Like all my Christmas cards are on my desk. Like I have all my Christmas cards so I can look at my kids year over year. I love it. And I call, I call this man my first husband because he is my first husband. He hates that. But I'm like, but you are my first husband and we're still married and stuff, but he doesn't find that to be nearly as funny as I do. <laughs> and because I'm a realtor, of course, I have my notebook because I write things down because I'm an old person and I have my major investor pins all over the place because I believe in political advocacy and I'm a big time patriot. And so I do have my patriotic duck. This is for the 4th of July parade in Harrisburg where my team and I will go because I am the worst person on a parade route because I have to hug all my past clients along the way and take selfies with them. And so you get to where you are in life when you decide what you want to pour out. And I pour out as much helpfulness as I can, as much information as I can. I pour out direct answers. I pour out as much truth as I can gather. And I pour out a lot of humor too. And what I get poured back into me is respect and connection and relationship. And I find that being myself is the single best business tool I have. So yeah. And then also I have this. So my home inspector is what their kids make for me. Oh, wow. You pour out in relationships. Then you have the Wilsons whose kids make you art. Precious. And tell me that there's anything that's better than that in life. I mean, look, if you really want to be an influencer, you'd be a mom. And when you're a mom to, in, in the way that you live, you, you nurture, you care, you sacrifice, then other people's kids see that too. And now their kids belong to them. I'm not in that camp that believes I own anybody else's kids. I'm just responsible for the ones that came out of my body. But <laughs> you can absolutely be a resource to other families too. So. Yes, it speaks volumes when you receive other folks children's art and handmade. What is better than anything handmade and homemade? And look, here's another one. I got a piece of watermelon and I got, look, she made me this pink unicorn thing. I guess it's a unicorn. I don't know. I don't judge because it's so precious. And this child is now in grade school. And so I love this even extra. And then my mantra, if you can see it on my whiteboard, I got a glare from my ugly overhead lights, but it says, be kind, be cool, be gracious. That's my mantra. I love it. I love that. Well, so tell us a little bit about when you got into the industry and maybe what it even looked like then and compared to what it looks like now. Oh, well, uh, in, in the words of my favorite CE instructor, Bill Gallagher, let's take a sip of something. Mm. <laughs> I got into the business 22 years ago after I got tired of the corporate world. Previous to real estate, I was selling chainsaws for Husqvarna. I was the only woman on the sales force and that's premium chainsaws, weed trimmers, and lawnmowers. Prior to that, I was a stockbroker and I lived in Manhattan at 37th and Lex, which used to be a really sketchy part of New York. And thanks to the policies of their elected officials has probably turned sketchy again. That's in the Murray Hill area. 
And prior to that, I was a bartender and a bar manager because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I did a lot of job hopping until I landed in real estate. And I landed here because I didn't know what else to do with my life. And my dad had been a realtor since 1978. And he's like, just come get into real estate. And like most kids of realtors, I'm like, oh, I want to get into real estate because I want to do what you do. You work all the time and blah, 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 blah. But I didn't know what else to do with my life. And so I joined my dad. And 22 years later, here I am. And I think for a lot of realtors, it works that way. And I bet it's the same way for loan officers too. Like, I mean, you know, let's just get a license and see if it sticks. And you look up 10 years later, and you're like, oh, 10 years went by. Okay, well, I guess I'm stuck in this forever. And that's actually when people start to get their businesses organized, which is kind of hilarious to me. But the ability to create connection and relationship is partially a learned skill, but it's partially an innate skill. And sometimes you have to use your innate one before you start to really hone it, which is fascinating to me to watch the life cycle of professionals in this business. So yeah, that's how I landed here. And my dad's now retired. So he's proof that a realtor can retire if they actually stockpile some of their money. And he likes to work in his wood shop and hang out with the grandkids playing golf. So that's totally possible for anybody who's wondering it is doable. Wow. So unpacking that, Manhattan, what in the world? You you moved I did not Manhattan. belong there. I was gonna say, what did a southern woman like yourself go up and and what inspired that? And then what what you Jeff and spit you out? So I mean, at the time I had my normal brown hair, blonde covers the gray. I just admit I'm a bottle blonde for anybody that's trying to figure it out. Yes. So I had my, my chestnut hair, which I guess you could probably still see it up under here. See, it's kind of dark. So that's is what it is. But that's where I went because one of my regulars at my bar had hired me. She's like, you'll be great as a stockbroker. And so I was like, all right, because when you, again, it's that innate relationship personality skill that you either have or you don't. So I took my series seven, 63, 65. I'm very good at academic things, taking tests. I was a super nerd in school, didn't have many friends because I was a teacher's pet. So I used all those skills, got all my tests. And I went to Manhattan and you're living, there were four women living in this tiny apartment sharing beds. And it was a different life. I mean, I grew up on a farm. So to go to that city is, it's just, there's no way to explain the cognitive dissonance it's creative when you don't (laughs) see grass because I wasn't near Central Park. So didn't really see grass. And we would get up at six and take the subway to the office down at Seaport Plaza. And we would work until about nine o'clock at night. And then we would go to Windows on the World for cocktails, which was the restaurant at the top of the World Trade Center. And that was, so I'm grateful that I lived in Manhattan for a while because I got to have cocktails there with my colleagues in a place that's now gone and, you know, part, a tragic part of American history, but that's what we would do. And then we would stay out and go to all kinds of places all over New York, get back to the apartment at two or three o'clock, take a nap, get up, shower and go do it again, which you can do that in your twenties. I don't know how any of those people do it any later. That's why no sex in the city is totally made up because none of those people could have survived that old with that lifestyle. Let's just be honest. But I was aggravated. I would go to a deli to try and order a sandwich. My favorite kind of bread is rye. And I would say, I want it on rye. And they'd say, what? I'd say rye. And they'd say, what? And I'm like, rye. And so I actually make it worse. And then people are laughing or they're ugly to me. And that's just very exhausting. But in a place like New York City, when you speak with a Southern accent, they deduct 100 IQ points from you. So they just think you're an idiot. Now, it helped me become a good converter because it's a very addictive sound, the Southern accent, and Yankees fall for it very quickly, which is evidenced by my husband being a Yankee. It was just hard, right? So I could do the job, but the thing I didn't like more than I didn't like the city, because I would never have survived there long term, let's just be honest. But there was a restaurant named Jimmy's, 
that was owned by a guy from North Carolina, and he had ACC basketball and football in there. So I would go there on Saturdays to watch basketball and football and drink sweet tea and eat barbecue there just because it was a taste of home. So I will always be grateful to Jimmy's. I don't even think it's still there anymore. I'm sure they've, they're long gone. That's been, well, that's been more than a couple of decades ago. But what I had discovered is I didn't like the side of people that was exhibited when you deal with their money. And it's different than in real estate because houses are big money, but they're big emotional money. And it's, oh, my babies are going to go to school and sleep here. And we'll have this bedroom for mom when she has her hip replaced. And people dream in that big financial investment. But when you're dealing with their retirement money or their investment money, it's not so much dreams as it is accumulation. And they're two different things. And I would talk to people that were delightful. And then you would start talking about the portfolio and opportunities for growth. And it's like a switch got flipped. And I was like, I don't want to see this side of people. And you start to see really quickly why the Bible says that you shouldn't have a love of money. It's not that money is evil, but it's the love of money that's evil and you could see it. And that was what actually drove me out of that business and drove me into the arms of chainsaws because that was so cut and dried. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to deal with all these different personalities. I mean, people that carry chainsaws tend to be what they are, except for the dude in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but that's a whole different discussion. (laughs) I didn't deal with him at all. Oh my gosh. It's always nice to know kind of the journey that pushed you into this. Because like you said, mortgage bankers are like, don't wake up one day when they're a kid and say, you know, daddy, I really want to be a mortgage banker. Never. I mean, show me one. And that kid's a weirdo. Let's be honest. <laughs> I know. I know. One person that can explain an amortization table. Right. Because oh I mean, y'all be honest, you viewers and listeners, y'all don't really explain the AM table. You show it to somebody, you're like, uh, don't worry about this. Right. <laughs> I, I will tell you though, I did sell a house one time for an estate I love my old people. They're like my favorites. I would, if I could only deal with one set of clients, it would be the greatest generation. He had passed and I'd known this couple for for my whole life. And his wife was getting all the documents out for me. And one of the documents they had was their original amortization table from when they bought that house in 1961. Oh my gosh. Every month when he made his mortgage payment, he had put a little check mark and verified that they were getting his schedule correct. He never deviated from it. He never made an extra payment. He checked the whole thing down. In fact, I should find that. So it's in my office somewhere. I wouldn't let I it go. Say, do you have that still? Because that's that's unheard of. Actually, if it's anywhere, I, I know it's here somewhere because it's too precious. Because he also had the original deed to the house. I had the original deed of trust. Their original payment was like, I don't know, $16 or something. It was crazy. Wow, that is wild. That's I love those snapshots story. though, right? So that's a snapshot into... Somebody else's mind. It's also into how seriously some people take real estate. And and let's just be real. A lot of realtors and loan officers don't take it that seriously. And if you meet that guy, you'd laugh about him over a cocktail. We wouldn't take him seriously, but he's taking that house so seriously. But that's a different generation, right? Their generation saw that house as the end of World War II. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have my own place. And they lived there, raised their kids there, grandkids there their whole life was spent in that one house. They weren't in this constant one-upsmanship that our society has turned into. It's just, it's fascinating. And it really I, is. We all took it a little more seriously. I kind of wish it, it were still that way. Sometimes you feel like you're born in the wrong generation. At least I have before. And I'm like, I love that. Like, I love that story because I, I appreciate, you said it, you like to write things down. That's not an old thing. That's just a who you are. Like people just work that way. I work well when I, 
tangibly write something on paper. I can touch it. I can feel it. I can smell it. I wish more people were that way. And they took it seriously and they plastered it up and they were proud to say, I'm marking this month off. It's so interesting. It's almost sad. It's heartbreaking. You think about it, but it's also the way that we've treated everything has gone to surface level. I mean, I think social media is the biggest evidence of that. Our relationships are what we know on social media. Well, the people you see on social media, that's even determined by the algorithms. And so we don't think about it in the same way that we used to of, oh, I'm going to keep up with these same 20 people. I'm going to know every detail about them. Instead, we have 2,000 people about whom we know very little. And then we wonder why they don't check on us when we're sick. Well, they didn't know because you didn't check on them when they were sick. And all that's a reciprocity thing. And that's really just vanishing. So you look at houses and how people treat their mortgages as a symptom of that. When we've had the last few years of this insane market, it's just insane. And it makes my stomach hurt as somebody who's been in for this long with this many ups and downs in the market. Those of us that have been in a long time have had a hard time with this. There are no comps. There is no way to tell. You're going to have to totally guess to win a house. The realtors who came into this in maybe 2019, they think this is a normal market. Are they going to be able to adjust when things do change because real estate is a fluid thing and it totally will change. Well, we haven't liked it as it's been. Y'all have loved it as it's been. So what are you going to do when it changes? But when you're living a surface level life, you don't look at all the layers that drive into things. And so I look at the layers of the market, not just the real estate market, because when you look at what was just announced with the latest rate of inflation at 8.3%, that means somebody's monthly budget is affected. And I need more realtors and loan officers to understand that. We have to go beyond PITI. And the websites just do PI, which drives me crazy. And by the way, if you're a new person, that's principal and interest, right? But PITI, principal, interest, taxes, and insurance, that's how we've always calculated it. As my agents and I talk to people now, we're like, what's your fuel budget? What's your food budget? How do you have some buffer built in there? Because we've, we've got to be the ones who say, look at the big picture because you want to stay in this house longer. We want you to stay in this house five, seven, 10, 40 years. You don't have to leave in two just because the market's been going up so much that you could leave in two. I want you to be prepared for the long haul. And that's a different way to look at things. I look at that as a mile deep and an inch wide instead of an inch deep and a mile wide. Let me unpack that just a little bit for our listeners. So yeah, that was kind of a thousand things. Which one are you going to unpack? I, I know, I know. This last portion of it goes tenfold, I think. Like you just said, you are go- taking that full budget. And by the way, people, that conversation is investing you and your people more and you're continuing to educate and build lifetime clients, which is exactly what we need. So by saying, listen, I, I truly genuinely want to find the best house for you, the right fit for you and your family for the longevity of your life. And what makes the best sense is we've got to look at every aspect of your life right now and see how, like you said, filtering in those buffers to make sure that they feel educated and comfortable to make the best decision for their family. So I just think that's so important. And people aren't doing that. And that even speaks to the the care that someone had to put an amortization schedule up on their fridge, on their wall. I mean, you should frame that. That is just so glorious. That, I'll find it and I will send you a picture of it so you can put that in the show notes for the episode. For anybody that thinks I'm making that, I will show you what Fred checked off every single month before he <laughs> oh, died. Fred. We love Fred. I love that story so much. So that's a piece that 
again, boils down to what you said, that innate quality. You either have that relationship and being able to be the best educator, advisor for your families that you're working with. But let's talk about your business. So you semi-touched on it and you said it took 10 years to really streamline. I know I'm going back. I'm I'm pulling from this entire conversation. Really good. I mean, this is a mom skill to like remember (laughs) things and pull it back in and always hear and see how both sides your hiccup job. I am the hungry caterpillar. So I'm excited for this. (laughs) Um, That book is safe for kids. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about taking the reins to your business and what it is that you could kind of tell yourself So we talked about it being that 10 years until you really, truly get it. And even though you have those innate skills or don't, there are people out there in this business who do not have those skills. And it is sad. But right now, as one of our mortgage bankers said, there's blood in the streets right now. And so it's going to separate the men from the boys fairly quickly. So yes, I know it does need to happen. It does. And so let's talk about taking the reins though. Tell me what you would tell yourself 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when you kind of wish that you had started implementing certain things in your business, even though you've got these amazing skills. And I'm sure that you did then too, bartender, sell and chainsaw, stockbroker, and now into the real estate world. What would you have told your younger self as far as taking the reins to your business? Okay. So my younger self had an advantage over most realtors because I came in with my dad. So I did not have to come in cold. And that I will say, I don't know. Any of y'all who have made it just coming in cold, I mean, kudos to you. I don't know how you do it. But I looked at my dad as the, okay, we'll create some best practices here because my dad is your classic I personality on the DISC scale. Everybody loves Daryl. He can't walk anywhere without, oh, Daryl, I love you. And it's like he swarmed with hugs. And my mother, who is a very quiet person, is just like, she's just dealing with it because everybody swarms on my dad. So when I walked into his office for the first time, I saw the markings of an eye personality, which is pile after pile after pile. I had a heart palpitation because I'm like, what the heck? What do you do? What 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 are you doing? What are you doing? What what are you doing in here? This is crazy. I mean, couldn't hardly walk. It was like a real estate hoarder's nightmare. It was terrible. And so I said, this is going to stop. So I came in with my corporate sales hat on, which corporate sales. You have an expectation of this is your report to turn in. This is your call sheet. This is your client report. I mean, you have things you have to do. So I was expecting to do that because that was where I came from. And I came into real estate and my dad's like, oh, you know, we just, yeah, we figured it out. And the phone would ring and he'd be shuffling through a pile because he knew ish where things were. And he was very annoyed at me for trying to clean the piles up because now I'm messing up his mental filing system of, but I, I know which stuff's in which pile. I'm like, that's, Organi- that's organized chaos. So I started going through the piles and I would find this kind of thing, little scratch paper. I'm like, who is this? Oh, ah, I talked to them like six months ago. I'm like, do you ever, you know, follow up with them? Ah, I don't remember if they ever called me back. I'm like, son of a. And so I'd look it up, house had sold. And I'm like, dude, that's money. You let the money get away. But he's like, oh, you know, I'll just sell another one which is classic realtor mentality and classic loan officer mentality of that one got away. That's okay. I'll find another one. That is a very bad business mindset because that means you let revenue get away that didn't have to get away. It got away because you weren't organized. And so within a few months, I had taken my dad's total wreck and we got things organized. And so like one of the things I talk about all the time, and we learned this at a conference. So one of the things my dad did was within one month of getting into real estate, He took me to a sales conference of top producers so I could go learn from the best of the best. 
No, and my dad was the first agent in Charlotte to sell 100 houses in a year by himself, no assistant, no buyer's agent. I don't know how the hell he did it with all this mess he had going on, the man's magician. So we went to this conference and I saw color-coded files and I was like, huh, color-coded files. Yellow is sellers, blue is buyers. And I used clear folders so I could see on my desk. Like right now, I got to follow up with these two sellers and this buyer because the colors are staring at me and it's right here. I took that idea and I was like, we go into Staples and we went to Staples or Office Depot or Office Max, whatever it was at the time. Hell, it might have been sharing luggage. They've been gone now. But I bought the paper, bought the folders and went through and got us organized. And that's what it takes. It's figuring out that you have to fix something. And what do you fix first? You fix a revenue leak. You can fix every other system on the planet, but you have to fix your revenue leaks first. And then you're going to have enough revenue coming in. Well, then we hired an assistant and she came in and she turned the whole thing into a machine. Realtors and loan officers aren't, they're not built to be detail machines. They're built to be connectors and relationship people, but you have to start somewhere. And the biggest fear people have over hiring somebody and getting themselves organized is what if I can't afford to pay them? Fix your revenue leak and then you can afford to pay them. And as we move into a changing market, it's going to be insanely critical to be organized because now you're going to be talking to people who are facing job loss, who are facing forbearance, who are trying to figure out, should I refi? There's going to be a lot of those questions happening. There's going to be people taking home equity loans out to patch the numbers between because of inflation. If you aren't taking notes on that conversation, how are you possibly going to be a good advisor to them when you talk to them three months from now? All of your files should have a copious set of notes. And yes, you can put it in an online database. But look, the online database is going to send you out a reminder. What are you going to do? Ignore. We need to block, block the revenue leak. I think a big piece too that agents and mortgage bankers are not solidified on is the time blocking in order to have this even... So let's just say it's a social time block or it's so you know your designated time to create social media or at least put a presence out there. And then a time block to organize, to make sure you're following up. So what does a typical day look like, a successful time block day look like for you? I'm looking for my trusty calendar, which is probably... Oh, it's, oh, there's more sellers I got to follow up with. Yeah, put those over yeah, here. At least it's color-coded. It's a, it's a big alert system for me. And it is. I mean, golly, you could do bright neon. Whatever draws your eye to cre- making sure that you are effective in your day, do it. Well, white paper gets lost on your desk. So I've got... Okay, here's the calendar. Trusty calendar. I don't do online. We've already discussed it. I'm a kinesthetic learner. So if you ever wonder why you can't use online tools, go study the NLP system. That's neuro-linguistic programming. We're all programmed to learn either visually, orally, or kinesthetically. I'm a kinesthetic learner. By the way, that's also why so many kids are failing in school now because the schools don't talk to the kinesthetic learners because they've pushed everything to Chromebooks. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I look at my calendar and I have a, it's a week by week. I've got the things that I'd like to get done on one side and then the must get done's on the other side. And the must get done's include appointments and anything that's got a time deadline on it. So for example, I have a closing today that's getting pushed because the paralegal didn't do her job. So that's coming off of the must happen list today, but on the must happen list for tomorrow is continue to yell at the attorney and paralegal for not getting the title work corrected. And that's just how it's going to go. So my Things are fluid because in real estate, it's fluid. In mortgage, it's fluid because we don't know what each day holds, especially right now in a volatile market. So in my things I'd like to get done, is going to be follow up with this pile here right beside my computer. So my pile of leads 
that's getting followed up with. And especially right now, my seller leads are getting a high level of attention because I, I personally think we're at the top of the market and I don't want my folks to miss out on that if it matters to them. If it doesn't matter, that's cool. I'm still here for you no matter what your time frame is. But if you're concerned, I think based on everything I know, now is a good time for us to look at that option. And I don't want to be a fear monger, but I do a real disservice to people if I'm not talking to them. And so for me, it's not so much about time blocking as it is about, am I helping my neighbors? And for the realtors and the loan officers that don't like to prospect, they have call reluctance. If you're not calling that person, how are they going to know what's happening in the market? They've turned the news off. They're over social media too. So who are they going to run into? You know, a snake in the business, you know, a thief in the business, you know, somebody who lies through their teeth to get a check. What if they run into that person at the gas station and say, oh shit, the market's topped out and I I didn't know. And then they get swept up and they make poor decisions all because you didn't have the gumption to pick up the phone and call them. And so stop calling it prospecting, call it follow-up time. It's, It's following up with people you already know, the ones that are saved in your phone way more so than the random cold people off the internet. But I think we really hurt people and we don't talk to them. I mean, think about how people have been hurt during the pandemic, during all these stupid lockdown rules. You finally realize that there's people that were sick and you never knew and now you feel guilty. Well, yeah, you should feel guilty. You should have followed up with them. You should have followed up with that listing you lost. You should have followed up with that buyer that went with the online mortgage app. Why did they go with them? You didn't follow up. Now, granted, there's times you follow up when you're still going to lose, right? That's the game of real estate. And it's a numbers game. We get that. But if you're not at the plate, how are you going to get a home run? Fix your revenue leak. That's all. I mean, and it's not that hard. I think I love this conversation and I think that they need to hear it and they need to hear it again and again and again. But when it comes to agents and what agents need for mortgage bankers right now, Lend Forward, what's one thing that agents truly need from their mortgage bankers right now? They need truth-telling. Agents are panicked right now over interest rates because they don't have a good grasp on what interest rates mean. A great loan officer right now is on the phone with their realtors that they've met or talking to saying, hey, don't panic. 5% means that the person I talked to a month ago at three and a half, their payment has now changed by $150 or whatever the price range is that person was looking in. A good lender is paying attention. All right, they pre-approve. This buyer right here, this buyer was spending 600, okay? And I last talked to them in March and they were not ready to relocate yet, but they were pre-approved by my lender. So a good lender has the same information and can call me and say, hey, Lee, have you talked to Nicole lately? Because when I talked to her in March, her rate would have been three and a half percent. It's at five and a half now. When you call her, let her know that here's the difference in her payment. It's a couple hundred bucks. If lenders would do that for agents, especially younger, less experienced agents, you could take so much of their fear away because they too get swept up in the media. Like, oh my God, oh my God, 5%. <gasps> and now they're panicked. And so if they call that buyer, they're like, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you missed your rate and it's five and they're going to add more fear to the problem when the reality is, I think we're probably looking at 8% by the end of the year at the way the Fed's going. And if we're at 8% by the end of the year and you're not calling your buyers right now, again, this goes back to what I just said, not prospecting hurts people. And so you call and say, yeah, it's different than it was. But I had this conversation this morning with a buyer. We were out running and she said, what do I do? And I said, let me tell you the, the rough side of this. You haven't found a house you like. 
I get it. And her husband is dragging his feet because he wants the perfect house. And I said, I have been telling you for months, it doesn't exist. You're going to have to suck it up and get something that's not quite perfect if you intend to be a homeowner. If you wait until the end of the year, prices may level out. They might even move down a little bit, but I don't know how much in my county, but they might level out. While you're waiting for prices to level out, your payment is jacking because the interest rates are not slowing down. Did you watch that horrendous Fed meeting on Friday? Every time they opened their freaking mouths, the stock market was responding. And I was in a, a thread of my stock market buddies because, you know, we all have our own text threads. I got my mom thread, got my stock market thread, got my chainsaw thread. So I'm over here in my stock market thread. And I'm like, what the are these morons doing? And so I called my financial advisor and I said, I'm going to send you some money. And as soon as these jackasses at the Fed stop talking, we're going to invest it because the market continues to tank every time they open their mouth. And so I was explaining this to her. And I'm like, you can wait for the perfect house, but it's going to cost you more or you can suck it up now and pay less. I said, that, that's on you, babe. You want to keep renting? That's fine too. But our lenders need to give us enough information to have real world conversations like that. And that does not involve a rate sheet because let's be honest, if a loan officer drops off a rate sheet right now, it's wrong by the time you drop it off. <laughs> right. You're talking about VA loans, veterans are having the hardest time of any group in the market just because so many agents are uneducated on VA loans. Please, loan officers, educate listing agents on VA loans. You want to do all of us a favor, call a new listing and get that agent on the phone and say, hey, congrats on your new listing. Do you mind if I tell you that there's an upside to a VA loan? You don't even have a buyer. You're just educating the other agent in the market. That would help us tremendously. Our FHA buyers, the same thing. They're about to see the market wake back up for them as things slow down a little bit. So that's an upside of a challenging market is our FHA buyers have a chance again. So talk to your agents about the upside of FHA because as budgets tighten, lower down payments are going to be more feasible. So you got to look at everything as, okay, how do we shift? How do we pivot? Help your agents think through that. Help them get out of this mindset. Every listing is going to get 45 offers and they're all cash and they're all conventional A++. We're going to go back to the world of a very nice buffet of loan options. That's a good thing. That's good for our neighbors. It's good for our sellers. It's good for home ownership. It's good for the American dream. We can say, God bless the USA and look at all the wonderful things that we offer. Help your agents expand their thinking. That would help all of us. That was everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that, Lee. If you've learned nothing else today, it's to block your revenue leak. Start prospecting. Don't miss out on opportunities that all it took was a one phone call. One phone call for them to remain, you to remain top of mind. And then when it comes to your agents, educate them, help them understand what's going on in the market so they're not flailing about, wondering in panic mode. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. I appreciate you. Well, it's always my pleasure to come hang out with the mom. And by the way, friends, if y'all know where the grocery stores are with formula, let Taylor know. And you want to talk about some social cred? If you're in the grocery store and you see formula, CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, wherever you are, Take a picture, post it to your story and let the local moms know because we have to help each other in times of shortage. Yes, we do. We appreciate you, Lee. Thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to the Lending Forward podcast powered by Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group. Don't forget to tune in next week and make sure you subscribe to our channel. Remember, we all play a part in Lending Forward. So go lend something forward today.